I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after, I don't know how to put this, I, I would say a delightful hockey game to watch. Every once in a while, and I'm sure a lot of you you know from Winnipeg and who are former Jets fans, especially the ones that saw the Jets leave in the 90s, Every once in a while, I'll have these moments where I just kind of take a look around and think, yeah, like, don't ever take this for granted, what we have going on here. Never mind the fact that there's an NHL team here, but just the fact that we get to watch hockey games like that. I thought that was a great hockey game between two teams that are trying to improve their culture, kind of define who they are, figure this out. As they go along, one team that I think is quite a bit further ahead in that process, that being the Winnipeg Jets. But I take a look at this game and I thought we saw the best of a Montreal Canadiens team with the ability to kind of survive things uh, while still kind of putting it in a game. And I saw a Winnipeg Jets team that after three straight games that basically their head coach, their players, everyone involved, uh, despite you know some fans wanting to believe that that what we saw from before uh, from the Winnipeg Jets was the way things should go, a full-on acknowledgement by the entire organization and its roster and coaches, everybody, that how they were playing was not a sustainable model and it needed to change. When we heard that, and there's a lot of wide-open days here to have that conversation. It was interesting to hear from player after player after player and kind of hear everybody on the same page. We got to get into it when Ken gets here and talk about the whole idea of the different approach this team is taking towards that kind of you know winning games where the effort didn't quite kind of seem to be there. We'll get into all that kind of stuff. But the one thing that I'd wondered all week when you hear, heard Rick Bonus say like, this is not okay. I'm not at all happy with our game. When you heard, uh, you know, Kyle Connor say what, how we're playing is not sustainable. The question becomes, how are they going to come out of that? How are they going to respond to that? Especially when they'd had such bad starts in the three games that they played on the road. I thought their start was phenomenal. I thought their fight was phenomenal. I thought that they controlled that game throughout almost the entirety of the game with the Canadians popping up and pulling off a couple nice plays. We'll get into how those things broke down. But I take a look at this, and if I'm Rick Bonus, and Ken will ta- tell you what he talked to it with Rick Bonus about and the conversations that were had. But if I'm Rick Bonus, I walk away from this game, and I think I sent a message earlier this week. I had practice days that I was trying to get my team up to speed and back on my blueprint, and I walk away from that game, and I think it worked. Job well done. That is fun hockey. That is fun to watch your team play that style of hockey, even though it ends up being a 3-2 game. Yeah, it's not 5-1. It's not 8-4, 8-5. To me, that was one of the most entertaining hockey games that I've seen in a long time and was a pleasure to take in at the Canada Life Center. I hope everyone here, here felt the same way. We should check and see if Kenny feels the same way. Time to bring in the man with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny.
time we've been doing this show for about a year and a half a little bit more than that you know getting closer to two years than one year that's for sure and i've always felt i've had a little bit of a man advantage <laughs> on the podcast i gotta say felt like you were always playing a man down because of the suit game i had going on for my main man frank at vittorio rossi but i noticed you are debuting another frank special you look like a million bucks my friend you must feel like a million bucks <laughs> Yes, uh, Frank picked out a really uh, beauty, uh, beautiful Jack Victor uh, navy blue here for today. Nice tie. Uh, Manfred even tied the tie for me tonight, so my knot is a little bit tighter. So uh, definitely trying to trying to look good, feel good, play play good, uh, as the saying goes. Um, fun game here, as you mentioned, Sean. There's no doubt about that. We got the uh, we got the good old lawnmower out there. Good, <laughs> good one. Good one. Good timing. Timing is everything. Uh, you touched on a few things. Uh, I would say too. I think one of the most couple couple important developments for uh, the Jets today, and you touched on one. Better start. I mean, all we had heard about during the week having a better start. Well, they actually had a better start. Uh, secondly, Kyle Connor. He had been dangerous, but as Blake Wheeler pointed out afterward, they need Kyle Connor scoring, and Kyle Connor, who had been saying all the right things and continued to persevere. Rick Bonus called it perseverance. His ability in a game where Kyle said he should have had a ton more goals. I saw someone in the chat room say Kyle, Kyle Connor could have had six goals today. Yeah. It sounds like an exaggeration, but it's not really one. He had six shots on goal and 12 shot attempts. He probably had six to eight grade A chances within those 12 shot attempts. Uh, he was excellent in the game. Uh, you know, Blake Wheeler getting to the net for his goal. But a big one for me, Sean, we talked so much last year about the engagement of Pierre-Luc Dubois. This was vintage Dubois, drawing penalties, drawing penalties, two in the game, scored a goal, very, very involved. Uh, I thought his game was fantastic. And the Jets were very structured. They didn't give up a ton. You know, yes, Dylan DeMello got caught caught flat-footed on the Nick Suzuki goal. Yes, one guy was going full speed. One guy was was flat-footed. On the other one, a little bit of bad luck. Suzuki takes such a smart shot. Such an excellent job of getting his shot through. Obviously a bad break for Connor Hellebuck. He goes off the pants of Cole Caulfield. Lands right on the stick of Kirby Doc. But it was an excellent game for the Jets. They had to kill off a late penalty. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later about whether it was the right call, whether it was the wrong call. Important yeah. penalty kill for the Jets. Their power play got that goal from Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, who I thought was absolutely awesome. I think Stewart has it uh, right, hits the nail on the head right there. Beast mode for Dubois. Connor was dangerous. Mark Shifley had an excellent game, Sean. And we'll get to it in a little while too, but the puck distribution on that overtime winner is absolutely top-notch and at an elite level. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. I just want to close this out, and I should reiterate as well that I am also wearing a Frank special from Vittorio Rossi. This is one of my favorite ties. He, he I think he just does best in the business in Winnipeg. If you want to look like Kenny and Rennie, and why not? Why would you not want to look like Kenny and Rennie? Head on down to Cordon Avenue. Go see Frank and the boys at Vittorio Rossi. Tell them Kenny and Rennie sent you. Let's get right into it. Uh, we should get to our uh, TransCanada Brewing Company Lamplighter. I'm interested on your take on this one because <laughs> there were some nice goals and competing nice goals from the Montreal Canadiens as well. Uh, what's your Lamplighter? Yeah, you know what? For me, I, I got to go with the overtime winner. I mean, honorable mention to Blake Wheeler getting to the net 
uh, on the, after the shot by Dubois, the one that went to Coach's Challenge. But to me, again, the way the Jets moved the puck around on that game winner, all of the players got smart touches, Sean. Josh Morrissey using his speed, Mark Shifley with just an excellent read, and then Kyle Connor with an absolutely tremendous finish. He laughed when I asked him about it after the game. He said he tried to go top cheddar like six or seven different times, and he tried to mix up his shot on Montembeau uh, at 1.44 of the overtime session. My lamplighter is Kyle Connor, but uh, you could have basically chosen any of the, uh, you know, you could have chosen most of the goals that were scored in the game. All five of them had a little bit of highlight reel variety to them, but my lamplighter, also because of the significance, that's Kyle Connor's 35th game-winning goal he came up at the biggest time to snap that eight-game goal is drought Kyle Connor's goal is my lamplighter 35th game-winning goal crazy something else you know what I, I I'm gonna jump in on this one just a little bit here because uh, the Suzuki goal is a gorgeous goal mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people were ripping on the defenseman now sorry was the defenseman Schmidt it was DeMello DeMello okay so it's DeMello now Everyone's ripping on DeMello because he gets kind of blown by here. It's a really, really cerebral play by the Habs, who the the guy that DeMello is actually covering, they pass the puck to him. Caulfield. He does the to Caulfield. Between the legs. A little between the legs pass. So DeMello's man in that moment is Cole Caulfield. And then uh, Suzuki does just a good job of getting lost in the weeds and building up speed coming through. By the time anyone on the Jets, and you can see the realization at some point in DeMello's eyes uh, that all of a sudden uh, uh, Suzuki has wound up and has that speed. By the time he realizes it, it's too late. I get it. And if you want to give him, you know, get on him for not realizing it in time, fine. That's fine that, that you know, you can have that argument. But but it was a cerebral play that was designed to kind of create that open space. It worked. Absolutely gorgeous goal. But that said, and we'll get into this a little bit more, the work that Shifley did, like as Kyle Connor gets that spot, I'm thinking he gets wide open like that. At some point, he's going to score. I felt like he was going to score when he did that. I'm far more impressed than the work that Mark Shifley did to get him open for that, to give him that lane to the net as clear as it was, the way that he got those two de- defenders tangled up. We'll dig into that a little bit more on the show. But I think you're right. Because there were cerebral plays on both sides, Suzuki's goal is a little bit of a nicer goal. Kyle Connor's goal is more of a clutch goal. I'll give the lamplighter to him as well. Uh, and, hey, if you uh, share your lamplighter with us, you give yourself a chance to win an eight-pack of lamplighter amber ale from our friends at TransCanada Brewery. Uh, absolutely on awesome awesome stuff uh all you got to do is tell us what your lamplighter was you can send it here or put it here in your in the comment section you can reach out to us uh comment on youtube afterwards you can send it to our twitter accounts you do that and uh someone could win a uh, an eight pack of lamplighter beer in the meantime if you want to go check out all the beers they have and they got a ton of really good stuff to go see them at their tap room at 11290 Keniston. And it's time for me to announce the winner of uh, the Lamplighter this time around. It's Noxie. So, Noxie, I saw you in the chat room last time. You won this time around. But I've got another announcement that I need to make. It's kind of a funny one, Ken. Our winner from the last <laughs> show, you know how we roll over and it becomes a yes. 16? Well, that didn't happen because uh, Brian Hallett won. And he got a hold of me to tell me that he doesn't live in town. So he'd asked 
is he, a, because he lives in Washington State, he'd asked if he's able to gift it to someone else. There's no Kenny and Ronnie playbook on this, but I'm going to allow it. So I love it. I love the generosity. He's taking a look around the chat room and passing it around. So while I love the generosity, I'm not sure I'm the biggest fan of the execution because he's decided to gift his eight pack to Sean Reynolds brooding pessimism of all things, which is a troll job on me for him to direct message me and say, Hey, thanks for this. I'm going to give it away to one of the people who gets on here and rips you all day long. That's a troll job worth. That's a kind of a beautiful troll job. So I love it. So Noxie, you got to get a hold of us. Truth hurts. Sean, eh? Sean truth hurts. Truth hurts. Sean Reynolds brooding pessimism as well is uh, it, both of you. You've got till next show. Uh, to claim your eight packs. If you don't do so, you know what happens. They go back into the kitty and someone else is just getting more and more of that sweet, delicious lamplighter ale. Uh, so uh, let us know about it. Get at it. Good stuff. All right. I, I While we are at it, Ken, we should also uh, get with our friends um, from the Johnston Group and get you the gotcha covered play of the game. Did you want to take that? You said you had some thoughts on that. So I'm going to I'm going to hand it right off to you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give it to a specific person. I had to go cover the Canadians room after the game was over because it's a national game. You were with our camera guy, Colin, in the Jets room. Uh, so you've got a lot more of a beat on what they had to say. I thought this was really interesting. Talk to Nick Suzuki about this game. And he thought his real turning point in this was the fact that they went out and scored that second goal to go up 2-1. And the Jets come out the very next shift, have a really great shift, grind it out take control of the game back. Like this is basically the Canadians walked away, got control of the game. And that Pierre-Luc Dubois line came out after that with Perfetti and Blake Wheeler. And they just absolutely took that game back, went and scored that game. That game. I give the gotcha covered Johnson group play of the game to that line because they turned the tide in that game. I don't know where that game was going to be going. It felt like that was a moment that the Montreal Canadiens could have started pushing a little bit harder and taking over that game. Instead, that line went out and said, uh-uh, no, you don't. Got back into that game. I don't think the Jets win this game if it's not for that play. So for me, that's the Johnson Group got you covered play of the game, Ken. Uh, let's get into that uh, and let's talk a little bit about the call or the non-call on that play. Give me your thoughts on it, and I'll tell what Marty St. Louis and the Canadians' room had to say about the non-goaltender interference call uh, and the challenge that ultimately failed and gave the Jets uh, another power play right after. Yeah, for me, Sean, I thought it was very close. And But what I found when I looked at the third replay, I think the thing that pushed it over the top, I think that Johnny Kovacevic actually pushes Blake Wheeler to cause the initial contact on Samuel Montembeau. Yes, Wheeler is looking for a puck. It's behind Montembeau. I, I, if, if Marty St. Louis, I don't know what he said, but I am assuming that he said Montembeau did not have an opportunity to reset because Blake Wheeler and his six foot five frame was in the way of Montembeau resetting. I'm not sure Montembeau could have got to that puck based on where it was. Wheeler had inside position. He was clearly in the blue paint, but I think the argument from the folks who watched it um, on the on you know on the review was that Johnny Kovacevic may have impacted or pushed Wheeler into Montembeau. Wheeler felt he was pushed as well, so that was their reasoning. I'm okay with the call, but I, I at my, I'm going to be honest. At first glance, I thought it would be overturned 
and then I saw that Montebo or sorry, Kovacevic initiated the initial contact. I don't think Wheeler did anything wrong on the play, but I thought for a moment that it might be overturned, but I think the right call ultimately was made. Uh, so I'll tell you, Sam Montembeau thought that he was not given a chance to get at that puck um, because of the push. I'll say this. I, I don't think there was enough of a push there for the contact that Blake Wheeler made with the goaltender. But I think the goal should have stood. And the reason I think it should have stood was to the point that you just touched on a little bit there. I don't know that Sam Montebo uh, could have got to that puck anyway. You know what I mean? Like if it's a race between him finding that puck that is sitting on the precipice of going into the net. If it's between he and Blake Wheeler getting to that puck, I'm betting on Blake Wheeler every time. And I'm thinking that's what happened with the officials, they were betting that in that situation, it's not going to matter whether whether there was contact made or not. And I'm I'm a big believer in that because there's a lot of times I think we've seen in the last couple of years as the refs and the league have tried to figure out how they handle these goaltender interferences. If you would just take a step back and say, look, let's be honest. If that play played out even without the goaltender contact, what do we think would have happened? I remember making this case, actually, that it was last year or the year before. Uh, it was a goal that had been scored on Connor Hellebuck. And I truly believe that that puck was going in the net regardless. And I don't think a goalie should be saved from allowing a goal because there's some kind of scramble and they get bumped if they were never going to get to it anyway. I've said that in the past about the Jets. I've said that about other teams. I like to call it as I see it, regardless of what team it was. That's how I saw it tonight. Sam Montembeau was not going to beat Blake Wheeler to that puck. The right call was made. Uh, and boy, oh boy, was that a payoff for that line. Let's just talk a little bit. I want to talk about Blake Wheeler because I know uh, our gal Julie Sue is in here. She was really happy that, uh, that there was a shout-out by Kyle Connor given to Blake Wheeler. I don't think we've talked enough, and I actually ended one of our podcasts recently saying we haven't talked enough about Blake Wheeler. The fact of the matter is we haven't. Part of that has to do with the fact that Blake has not been made available that often to the media. He was there today. You saw Kevin Sawyer from the TSN broadcast having a good conversation with her. Sometimes you got to talk to people to be able to talk about people because you need to talk to them and get some stuff out there. But there's no, no holding back from talking about Blake Wheeler, how his game has been. I thought that's the exact kind of goal that Paul Maurice was trying to get this team scoring for a number of years. It's the kind of play that I'm sure, you know, when you need to get back into a game, Go to the dirty areas, grind it out, get it done. Blake Wheeler, once again, and I've said this in a number of games so far this year, who cares if this guy's got the C? He's leading the way on the ice, and I thought he did that again today. Yeah, and just for folks who maybe weren't listening to the uh, to the post-game interviews, uh, Kyle Connor was asked about the drought, and he he referenced the players, really, the, the team kind of picking him up. This is what you hear all the time somebody's not going your line mate or your other line is going to have to pick you up so he was say he specifically showed it out blake wheeler in terms of being the guy who came off the bench and hugged him first uh you know blake said i i mean i asked blake flat out about what it meant to have kyle connor rewarded after you know putting together 34 shots on goal in the first nine games another six tonight 12 shot attempts he said hey we got to have Kyle Connor scoring. I mean, that that's obvious. Kyle Connor is one of the most important players on the Winnipeg Jets. So the fact that he had one goal and, and the Jets had won five games through the first nine and had collected points in six of nine, 
was a testament to the Jets' other players for helping to pick him up. And Connor continuing to work hard and persevere was the word that Rick Bonus used. Uh, I think that was important. So, yeah, I mean, Blake, Blake Wheeler told you, Sean, when we were talking initially about the, you know, the C being stripped. If you think I'm going to just, uh, you know, sl- sneak away to the backdrop, you're not paying attention. So, uh, Blake has done a nice job. I mean, if you're looking just at the raw numbers in the stat sheet, you'll see eight points in ten games. That's impressive by Blake Wheeler, but it's the things that he's doing to, you know, sort of battle through this situation. Uh, I think his his work ethic has always been there. He, you know, of course he's not skating like he did when he was 25. Well, guess what? He's 35. It's harder to be skating like you were when you were 25. Uh, but he's still giving excellent effort. He still found a way to contribute, uh, and he's not, you know, not hanging around pouting about what happened to him. Uh, I think it's a you know testament to him. Um, you know, it would have been a tough situation, but he's had an excellent start for the Jets. Again tonight, Wheeler, 16:04. Three shots on goal, five attempts, one blocked shot. Uh, and an important goal, a, a goal that really helped the Jets kind of get back uh, going in a game where they had been carrying, you know, large swaths of the play, but they weren't getting rewarded until, you know, like you said, they went to a dirty, you know, went to the dirty area. And here, Ryan Trapp says it best. Rick Bonus early this week said, or even last week, the Jets need to start scoring some greasy goals, none greasier than being right on the doorstep and finding a way to bang it home. Um, I want to dive a little deeper into this. You mentioned uh, uh, something that Blake Wheeler had said to me in his first avail. I don't know how many people saw it, but I did a sit down with Blake Wheeler at the beginning of the year. Um, fresh off him being stripped of the sea, do you, you have to ask these questions, right? And we know that Blake Wheeler can be a fiery guy. I sat down uh, in that interview with Blake Wheeler and he was composed, gave great answers. We know he's a smart guy. Right. And when it was all said and done, he'd given this great interview. And when it was all said and done, just trying to give people a peek behind the scenes and the interactions that we had with players. I said to Blake Wheeler after it was all said and done, I said, you know what? I know that this situation can't have been easy for you. And I just have to say, you have handled this so well and with so much class. I tip my hat to you for how you've handled this. it's it's a way of me getting into a question, Ken, of we know Blake Wheeler is a guy who's got a lot of pride. We know that stripping someone who has a lot of pride from the, from the sea could have had disastrous consequences. It's been the opposite. Blake Wheeler has really zeroed in and showed in a very different way. Uh, not that he wasn't doing it before, but he's not in front of the cameras after every game the way he was before. In a very different way, he's showing his leadership. Why do you think it's worked out so well? Do you think there's something about this? Is this a master move by Rick Bonus that has brought out a different level of leadership from Blake Wheeler? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, what I would say is I think, um, I mean, and again, and you were there. I When I asked Blake during that first scrum, did it feel like the the captaincy had become a bit of a burden? And he kind of admitted that, yeah, it was yeah. kind of kind of was weighing on him a little bit. Good question, by the so, way. Ken. So yeah. for me, I mean, it had been something that we we often wonder about. Um, and we know when Blake was forthcoming and honest about that, um, I applaud him. I mean, he's a guy who you know I've said this before going into the year on on the show after when we did the show. Blake wasn't enjoying himself at the rink the way that he used to. And I think a lot of that had to do with the weight of expectation 
Blake's put in a lot of work on being a better leader and evolving as a leader. Um, and I just feel like he's been given the opportunity to just go out and worry about playing hockey. And I know some people will say whatever, but I mean, there is an extra responsibility that comes with being a captain in a Canadian market. And he had been doing that for a long time. And it had, you know, it had started to weigh on him. So I see Blake, you know, it's funny. I heard somebody say, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois explained the Montreal Canadian situation as there not being any pressure on them. They were playing freely because the expect expectation is that the Canadians are in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes and are, are, are going to be one of the teams that are near the bottom of the standings. For Blake Wheeler, he seems to be playing more freely. Now, whether that's because of the captaincy being stripped or not, only Blake knows for sure. But what we see is how Blake has handled it. He has not let it become a distraction. He is All he's doing is focusing on his job. And we've been saying this for a couple of years now. And no player in his prime ever wants to hear it. I mean, Kevin Bieksa has shared this on the Hockey Night panel. And, you know, stick taps to Kevin Bieksa for getting to go through what he's going through in Vancouver today. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, but, you know, he said it at the time. When you're, a, you know, a high-end player, when the coach says, I need to play you, you know, two or three minutes less to get more out of you, you as a player are like, get lost, coach. I can play 20 minutes. Don't worry about it. But here's another example. Blake played 16 minutes tonight, but he can give you he gives you everything that he has in bursts. So what I see is a guy that's getting more out of his game because he, you know, Blake isn't a conserve your energy type of guy. But when you play him 16 minutes instead of 20, he can give you more in those 16 minutes. So I mean that that's what I see, Sean. I mean, it's not, you know, like I said, I don't know this for sure. This is my interpretation of what's happening. <laughs> good one, Maui. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, he's done a good job, an excellent job on a lot of fronts. Uh, and, you know, kudos to him for finding a way to make an impact and can, not uh, letting it be a distraction. Ken, I'm going to let you do this next little bit here uh, because we are so proud to announce that we've got a couple more sponsors joining the show. And I'm going to let you start with... Uh, your main man, Lou Furlan. Yeah, if you're looking for uh, you know help on the realty market, whether you're buying or selling, uh, Lou Furlan is your guy. Uh, contact Lou. Uh, he's part of uh, Royal LePage, and he is my travel or uh, travel agent. He's my realtor. Uh, he helped me find two incredible condos. Uh, he did an excellent job in helping us maximize our value on our first sale. Uh, you know. Lou is just an outstanding human being, a guy who's really involved in the community, and we're super proud to have Lou uh, joining the uh, you know host of sponsors that we have. Uh, Sean, we've talked a lot about us believing in the people that we work with and the companies that we work with, and yeah. we want those people to feel the same way about us. Um, like I said, Lou, Lou's done just an incredible job. Um, you know, met him you know early in the early two thousands. Uh, I was I was basically a, you know a day away from uh, just accepting a lousy apartment, and uh, you know my wife uh, Stacy ran into Lou at the keg one night, and Lou said, uh, "Had you ever thought about a condo?" And she said, "Well, not really." But then we ended up looking at a couple and found one, and it just was just impeccable timing in the market. And instead of getting into that lousy apartment that I didn't really want, uh, ended up finding a great condo on River Road. Uh, stayed there for quite some time until we moved into our current place. Uh, Lou is exceptional in terms of his customer service. 
He's really passionate about what he does. He loves sports, and we're uh, just incredibly proud and happy to have him uh, join uh, the the list of, of our great sponsors that we have for the show so far. Yeah, uh, I, I, I had met him before uh, before we had that conversation. Absolutely phenomenal guy. Can't wait. Uh, can't wait to sing his praises. We know that he's a guy who moves volume and he moves big and he moves small uh i to be honest i don't know that there are going to be many people listening to that this show who haven't heard of him before he's one of those guys that you know whether you're into real estate or not uh his name kind of rings out so welcome to the show lou we should also talk about uh another uh group that's joining and that's home field um home field uh joined up with us you you're good friends with uh with um one of their representatives, Corey, uh, who we had a conversation with. So we're going to try and do something fun with this. They want some audience engagement. Uh, so they're going to be, we're going to be handing out the Dig Deeper Award sponsored by Homefield. What it basically is, is Ken and I are going to go through all the comments that are made throughout the show and we're going to pick one. And it's going to be, maybe it's a great question. Maybe it's someone burning Ken. If you're burning me, I'm probably not going to pick it because uh, let's be honest, you guys got to take it easy on that totally kidding good jokes good burns good comments good questions we're looking to see who's engaged out there uh and we're told and we haven't figured it out yet but starting so far on this show we're gonna pick a dig deeper comment to the show as sponsored by Homefield. and there's a prize that comes along with it we haven't picked the prize yet but we're gonna give it out retroactively and i'm gonna give our first dig deeper comment of the game to Tristan Rivers, the guy who puts the good music out, and I'm going to explain why. He said the scouting report on Montepo is shoot low glove side and avoid the stick shaft at all costs. For sure, that was something that happened there today. But I give this to Tristan because Montepo, I asked him about his game afterwards, and he volunteered the information that someone uh, that next time he comes rolling into town, he better watch out for the low glove because clearly the Winnipeg Jets had been told something and saw something. Uh, that he wasn't seeing tonight. So, uh, Tristan, you absolutely nailed it. We will get back to hold you. I'm writing it down right now. We'll get back to you when we start handing out uh, our Home Field Dig Deeper Awards. Like Home Field does as they try to uh, help help, uh, their clients grow, um, they dig deeper, and we want you digging deeper as well. So welcome to Home Field as well to the show. Great stuff. And you can check them out at myhomefield.ca for marketing and more. Excellent stuff. Um, let's talk about Kyle Connor getting off the Schneid. I, we talked a little bit about it, but uh, uh, we did our little uh, we did our video for for Sportsnet afterwards, um, and you talked about one of the things that really stood out to you was the reaction by the team. Now, hey, you score an overtime game winning goal, there's going to be a big reaction. But I'm with you. The reaction by the Winnipeg Jets to that goal had a little bit of extra juice in it, if not a lot of extra juice. And I think there's not, you know, as happy as Kyle Connor is to get scoring again, I think the rest of his team may be even more excited for him to get that goal and get off the schneid because the Winnipeg Jets know if Kyle Connor is putting goals in the back of the net, it really increases their chance of being a good team. You're muted. Sorry about that. We're trying to keep the lawnmower out no of the uh, out of no the shot problem. whenever we can. Uh, just a quick one. So when I asked Rick Bonus about Kyle Connor, I mean, like you said, you saw the bench just pour onto the ice. You saw Kyle Connor with a humongous fist bump. He's a guy that's generally you know pretty reserved. Yes, he can get fired up at times, 
but you know he goes out like Kyle it's the whole it's like getting a touchdown in football like act like Kyle's a very much an act like you've done it before but there was a pretty hefty fist pump of course overtime you're going to be jazzed after you score when I act, when I asked Rick Bonus about Kyle Connor finally getting one here's what he said it's nice to see it go in obviously there is perseverance just stay with it again the chances are great A's there are times you want the right guy to get the puck at the right time in the right spot and it was coming to him a lot tonight it was one of those it wasn't going in and he couldn't pick a better time to score it was a goal scorers goal off the far post and in that's perseverance and we'd heard it throughout I mean the opportunities were there for Kyle Connor but they need Kyle Connor to be going I mean this team needs Kyle Connor it's obvious He's a guy that has the ability to score 50 goals. Yes, he had he had been doing a nice job in terms of his setups and getting opportunities. But I love the fact that Kyle Connor didn't stay out on the perimeter. He was going to the hard areas. He had two incredible setups from Neil Peon. One of them went off the post. One of them he got absolutely robbed on. But you know what, Sean? If there's one guy you want the puck on his stick in a critical moment, it's Kyle Connor. I mean, yeah. yes, Mark Scheifele can score and do a nice job as well, but Kyle Connor is their most prolific goal scorer. The fact that they had won five games without him scoring on an actual goaltender in the first yeah. nine games wow. was was a wow moment. And, you know, Kyle knows this, and I asked him about it. He's like, yeah, I hope so. Like, sometimes when you get one, you can get a bunch. And Kyle Connor has been so dangerous. I wouldn't be surprised if he ripped off a streak right now. I know, I know our you know our pal Jeff Hamilton was trying to say that I gave him the fifty goal hex, but this could be a turning point for Kyle Connor. Um, you know what I want to get into, and I think that we should get into is the lead up to this game this week and how sure. it was handled. Right? Let's get into that a little bit. I want to get your take uh, because it's interesting. The people were giving us a little bit of credit after the last show. And I know that I came on this last show. And I know I came on hot. I know I came on strong. I know when I come on like that, that 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 people are going to get mad. And for sure, it happened. I had people lashing out at me on Twitter. People getting upset about the comments that I made. And some people demanding that I retract or take a different tact and all this kind of stuff. Good luck with that. I'm going to say what I think. And that's how it's going to be. You're going to have to deal with that. Um... But there was a lot of people who were kind of saying to us, hey, Bones must have been listening to what you guys were saying. That's not the case here. But what I do think is what I feel like I've seen for a couple of years, I think you've talked about it a bit. I think a lot of people in our chat room talk about it a little bit. You know, I've said this for a long time. The Jets are a team that are skilled enough to survive in games that they probably shouldn't be surviving in or said a different way that most teams couldn't survive in and and in doing that i think that there's a lot of times that the, the, the incentive for the jets to become the kind of team that plays the right way is maybe not as strong as it would be for a team that keeps getting stung by not playing the right way um so what i've been waiting for and what i waited for in the paul maurice era was a recognition from the coaching staff that that's not the way to do things. We saw that recognition come in the past, Ken. If you remember this, there was a game against the Montreal Canadiens when it was the Canadian division that I came on and absolutely went off and said, I know the Canadians won this game. I thought they were terrible. It's a it's a terrible style of play. They need to be better. And I got ripped. I got ripped by the audience then afterwards. 
And then the Jets, a little while after that, went on that terrible losing skid towards the end of the season. It wasn't until, we'd never seen this before, it wasn't until Paul Stastny came out and said, to be honest, we've been playing terrible hockey for a long time. We were just getting wins before that. It was the first time we'd ever heard that before. The shot of the first shot of truth serum for this team. I don't think we ever heard it from the old coaching staff. You know, even with Dave Lowry, when he took over, there'd be bad games and he'd say, I liked our game all the time. There, I, th- I think I'm speaking for a lot of fans when I say people, Jets fans in this city have been waiting for a long time for a coach to come out and call a spade a spade with this team. I feel that happened this week in, in a very dramatic matter. You come back from, you know, taking seven of your last eight points, five of six on the road, and your coach welcomes you back by saying, this is not even close to being good enough. I'm not anywhere near happy with our, my, our game. And the players double down on that and say the same thing. What did you think when we saw the Jets kind of fully embrace the idea of, yeah, points are great, but how we're playing is not, and we need to address that? Loved it. And what I had said to you, Sean, after the sun, we had this recognition on Sunday in Vegas. Brendan Dillon flat out said it. He said they had no chance to get a point without Hellebuck. So, again, we heard it all week long, whether it was Kyle Connor or Nate Schmidt. I mean, we were both involved in that conversation with Mark Shifley yesterday. I mean, it was so bang on. Mark Shifley sitting at a stall saying, well, Rick's right. I mean, of course, they can't play that way. So good for them to have the recognition, but even more important for the Jets to do something about it. it we had heard all week that they needed to have better starts. It wouldn't have mattered at all if they had come out and laid an egg again this evening, but they didn't. They took all of those words to heart, and what they did about it is that we've heard this a lot. They want to be coached. They knew they had some things to clean up. They cleaned them up, and it resulted in a much better effort. This is a sustained... Again, we understand the Canadians are not an elite team. They're a bottom third team. They're probably going to finish in the bottom five, but they still work so? hard. They, you think so? You don't? I, I think they're showing signs that they, they like, bottom five is pretty bad. I think they're showing signs that they may get out of that. But you're right. Uh, the point you, you, is made. We're not talking about, like, a contender. I, I mean, I in, in, unless they win the lottery, you, you rarely win the lottery being the eighth eighth worst team. I mean, they're trying to win the lottery. They want to get Connor Bedard or one of those other high-end guys in the top five. So I, Tell I the th- team that. Tell the team oh, that, right? Tell hey, the players that. They're working their tails off. And we know we were, you know, we were around today. Marty, I mean, I was speaking with Alexander Burroughs, but you were in with Marty St. Louis. I mean, yeah. if you if you don't get fired up playing for a guy like Marty St. Louis, you're not paying attention. I mean, I love the fact that their staff includes two guys that were not drafted and went on to have great careers, one of them a Hall of Famer, and one of them in the Ring of Honor. I mean, Alexander Burroughs. And Marty St. Louis are two incredibly positive people, and they both basically were self-made players. So I love the fact that these guys made, you know, are on the coaching staff and trying to turn around this culture that you mentioned. But for me, the biggest thing for the Jets is not. I mean, this is my whole point when I was disagreeing with your theory that the Jets were just reverting to old form because they felt they could get away with it. They weren't happy about it. They just weren't able to pull themselves out of it. So today they took a step towards doing it. But now the big test comes, Sean. Do it again. Do it more than once. Do it two times. Do it three times. You know, they play Chicago Saturday, Dallas Tuesday. You know, 
put this plan together, put this blueprint, as Adam Lowry called it, the St. Louis Blues game, that's the blueprint, put that into action for, you know, all three games of the homestand, and then let's see where the Jets are at as they head out on that road trip. Okay, I want to have a conversation about what Pierre-Luc Dubois said earlier on today, because you and I actually didn't talk about this. I thought this was interesting. One of the things in the last podcast, and, and see, I think this is where you and I go say what you got to say. Oh, sorry, oh, let's sorry. get Cambrian in. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. We wanted to welcome back uh, Cambrian Credit Union uh, to the program, who is going to be sponsoring us through the entire month. They've got some big initiatives that we're proud to talk about, but the one that kind of hits home for us the most is their unfee accounts. Ken and I are both clients uh, of, of, or sorry, not not clients. We are members of Cambrian Credit Union. We both have unfee accounts, and one of the things we love about them is, of course, banking with unfee because it's you don't pay fees. You save $222 per year. Simply set up a recurring direct deposit every month to your Cambrian checking or savings account and you qualify. No minimum balance required. It's great to have them back on the podcast. And we are looking forward to kind of uh, talking about the initiatives they have coming this month. It's going to be an exciting month for Cambrian Credit Union. Okay, I wanted to get into this because there, there is a discrepancy between you and I. Uh, and, and I know that the, that discrepancy that exists between you and I and how we think about this team uh, is that I truly do think that the Jets getting away with bad play the way they have over the years. And I honestly think, Ken, I don't think there's a team in the league if you take since 2018, the 2018-19 season and on. I don't think that there is an, a team in the entire NHL that consistently got away with bad sometimes unacceptable play the way the Winnipeg Jets did because they are so good at opportunistic scoring and they're so skilled. The, where you and I have a difference is usually, uh, I'll, I'll speak for myself, I'll let you speak for yourself. What I think is, I do think it's been a barrier to them becoming a good team. And people think I'm crazy for that. People think, uh, you know, I think I had someone say that they thought it was insulting that I suggested that. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I had a conversation with a player early on about them doing that. And about the fact that they were it looked like not they weren't putting in an honest effort and they were getting away with it, I've had players think that it's insulting as well to suggest that that pros would go down that route. I'm not saying for a second the Winnipeg Jets come out and say we are not going to try tonight and we're going to skill our way through games. I do, however, think human nature is fairly simplistic. If you take psychology, when you are rewarded for something you are more likely to continue doing that thing over and over again. And the fact of the matter is the Jets have got away for years not playing the right game, but still scoring and winning the exact way that we saw them put up the points that they did on this road trip. And by no means is it players saying, we're not going to try. But human nature is there's not as much of an incentive to correct a game or change your way from how you're playing if you're getting the points and you're backing it up. To me, it's simple psychology. You may disagree. I know there's some people who violently disagree with me. Guys, it's okay to disagree. You don't need to get so heated. Uh, but talking to Pierre-Luc Dubois today, I thought Pierre-Luc Dubois got to the heart of exactly what I'm talking about. I asked him about the idea of the team getting points but not playing the right way and how that's in, how that you can have incentive to get to playing the right way 
when you know you play the right way on a game like it is tonight, here you're saying the Montreal Canadiens are going to be a bottom five team in the NHL, and the Jets could very well look at this and say, we played the right way and we barely squeaked out a victory against the Montreal Canadiens. Why don't we go back to you know playing the way we were before? But Pierre-Luc Dubois had said along the lines, tell me if this is what you got from it, Ken. I got from Pierre-Luc Dubois that he said, you know what, points matter. You can lose out on the playoffs by not locking in your points in October. So points matter. So when you're playing a way that's earning you points, it's a little bit of a push-pull of saying, well, no, we're going to abandon this game and go do this because we're getting the payoff. We're getting the points, and the points are what get you in the playoffs. Let's worry about playing the right game then. Let's get the points now. And to me, I heard for the first time a player talk about the psychology and the push-pull of playing the kind of game that has the Jets have shown time and time again that gets them points, but the exact same game that, that Rick Bonus said is unacceptable and they need to do better and not sustainable and so on and so forth. Did you take the same comments or did you take his comments the same way that I did? I didn't. Uh, how I took his comments was that he was excited about the ability to rack up points when they weren't playing well enough while recognizing that they needed to be way better and build as the season went on. But he said, it doesn't matter if you're building when you're not collecting points. That was how I kind of interpreted it. Right, well, right, which which I think takes from that. When, when, so right now... They weren't happy about it. They were just being... They were happy they Can, got away with it. you're trying to tell me that this is the first time in the, in the history of the Jets in the last couple of years that they've played that way and got away with points... That, I didn't. That's crazy. not what I said. That's, that's not what not I what said but at all. I'm not, I'm not saying they're happy about it, but we've watched this team year after year after year walk into games and pull them out like that. We know the line. The, the, the chat room knows the line. We stayed in the fight. We liked our game. All these things that we've heard time and time again. You do, do you not think we're at a different stage with the Winnipeg oh. Jets right now where they're taking a look at this and being far more critical of that than they allowed themselves to be in the past? Of course, but that that was my whole point. Like, if the Jets wanted to play the way that they played and wanted to get away with it, they wouldn't have listened to Rick Bonus what he said all week about the areas they needed to clean up in order to play better and get sustainable results, right? I mean, they well, may have no, ignored. I disagree with that. There, you, the, the, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that Bones is going to allow himself to be ignored. He doesn't need the green light from the players to tune in. He's going to get it done one way or another. That's what I think the difference is this year, is you've got a coach who's saying, yeah, sorry, it's not acceptable, and it's going to change, and you either get on board or it's not going to work. And that's I think the Jets are being confronted with someone who is saying that's not acceptable anymore and we need to move on from that. And for the first time, we're hearing the Jets say, it's right, it's not sustainable. Uh, I, I think Jets players are coming to a realization that they didn't have before with in the past regime that they're coming to now with a coach who is confronting them with what is wrong with their game, even when the points are saying it's right. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I just don't think like again. I, I'm sure Paul or Scott O'Neill was saying these same things on the weekend. It just didn't translate into results. So I don't think it's the messaging was wrong. It just was. It, what, it wasn't happening for the Jets for whatever reason. Either they didn't have their legs or whatever. I mean, this is a step forward for the Jets. There's no doubt. But let's find out what they're made of now. I mean, this is a homestand that's three games spread out over 10 days. 
Let's see if they can sustain this now. And they want the build to keep happening. So, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, we talk all the time. I mean, now it's a 10-game block. Now what's it going to look like after the 20-game block, right? Now we're getting close to U.S. Thanksgiving. That's one of those markers, right? Right now the Jets are in good shape. They haven't played their best, yet they're 6-3-1. and one. What happens now in the next 10-game block? In the month of November, I counted 12 games. Five of them were against teams projected to be in the bottom, you know, third, if not bottom fifth of the NHL. So, again, does it matter if you're racking up wins against weaker teams? Well, guess what? All the wins count the same. But it has to be a sustained effort. I mean, the Jets were 9-3-3 and last year and didn't mean absolutely anything by the end of the year. It, it allowed them to be finish 8 points out instead of 15 points out, but it was unsustainable. We talked about fool's gold on the weekend. So, I mean... You did. Great line. Great line. I mean, let's... Today was not fool's gold, but again, the Jets didn't play this way against Colorado or against a, a top-end team. But you can only play the teams on your schedule. The Jets are looking for improvement. They had improvement. They wanted to make life easier against Connor Hellebuck. They did do that. I mean, outside of that top line for the Canadians, I mean, there were not a ton of high-danger chances, right? No, outside no. of Suzuki, Caulfield, there were, you know, Monaghan maybe had a nice one there. But overall, the Jets were much better defensively. They kept the home plate area relatively clean. Yeah. So let's see what happens if you do that. Now can you do that against Patrick Kane? Then, to me, a great... Me- you know, we talk about measuring sticks and all that, and players get sick of it, but Sean... The Dallas Stars are coming into town on Tuesday, right? The Dallas Stars made the Jets look slow and unstructured the last time they played them in Game 2 of the season. How much progress have the Jets made from Games 2 to Game 12? That's what I'll be looking for. But for the time being, they took an important step forward. Uh, is Connor Hellbuck going to be, you know, have 22 shots a night? Absolutely not. We talked about this with Rick Bonus in the morning. He knew all the time. And this is what I told you on the last road trip. This was never going to be solved with one training camp and one month of hockey. This is an eight-month eight month process. Sean, this re- I know we don't want to talk about the old regime. This reminds me of the year where the Jets were at their best. They did defensive zone work at morning skates every single day the year they made the conference final. That is incredibly abnormal. But it was a reminder of how much work they had to do on their defensive zone play. And as the years went on, their standards slipped and they got away from that. So today, now we're seeing the Jets knowing what they need to work on. Puck management, smarter exits. They were way better on their own breakouts. They got on the forecheck. They made life more difficult on a young Canadian's defense core. And they played a lot better. So that's more what their template needs to look like that's what they want to hang their hat on but now comes the hard part for the jets the consistency doing it with regularity we'll see what happens on that front um you know what i wanted to get into this one here robert sutton says funny how the hockey experts pick the jets for no better than six this season um that's not where you and i that's not where you and i had them well, uh, I had them. Okay, you had them making the playoffs in a. Uh, wild I have a wild card, yeah, but you, you had them in the playoffs. Card. 
I ha- I had them in the playoffs and I had them above a wild card. So I'll right. say this: I probably had them right around six. So I feel. Oh no no, Robert he means from, he from means sixth in the central. I don't think he means sixth in the west. Oh okay. He well, means sixth in the central. No, I, I, no, I think he means sixth overall. I do not. He's sitting there challenging for first overall right now. Well, Robert Sutton, if you're out there, let us know which you meant. I, I will say this. It's a good excuse for us to get into our picks. Sure. What we thought was going to happen with them at the beginning of this year. Um, and and it's, too, it's funny, too. Like, North End Rick and I had this conversation. We were messaging back and forth. He had no faith in this team. I can't remember what the record was. I'm not, not going to look at it. But I think he had them at like two and eight coming out of this first ten game stretch. I had them at five, four, and one, which I thought would have been a really impressive record based on the start and the teams that they were playing. Almost turned out here tonight, but the Jets pulled the victory. And instead of me having it dead on at five, four, and one, I think I'm still okay with six, three, and one. Um, but at this stage, Kenny, are you ready to revisit your idea that they that they don't finish top three in the center? Well, I mean, it, I, it was always a possibility that they could be top three in the central. I mean, I wasn't discounting that. I just thought it was more likely that they would have to battle right until the very end. Now, what's happened in the first 10 games of the season, roughly, were two things that have been abnormal. We both expected the St. Louis Blues to be better. And we both expected the Minnesota Wild to be better. Both of those two teams have been wildly inconsistent. Uh, Sorry, Minnesota's kind of turned things around. They lost. No, they got smoked today. They got smoked today, but before that, they'd strung together like six or seven or seven of eight points or something like that. They were, they, if the Jets, if the Jets would have lost tonight and they would have won, they would have been even in the standings. That's they're not that different from each other. They just no. started out zero and three. Yeah, they gave up twenty goals in the first three games, which nobody had on the bingo card. Is my right. point? I right. thought Dallas was improved this year. I didn't think Dallas was going to win the division, but with Jake Ottinger, they have a chance to be very good. Yeah. Uh, and now they're surviving without Jake Ottinger, who they yeah. hope it's going to be. You know they'll revisit it in a week but Mason so, Marchment great pickup for oh that. we talked about that all the oh, yeah from right. the very beginning so those are two kind of abnormalities and St. Louis won three out of the gate and now they've struggled mightily um, so can the Jets be in the top three of course they can I mean I'm not I'm not marking them in pen if, if you want to put them in pencil no problem uh, we said this from the beginning when you have an elite goaltender you can be a playoff team whether that means a playoff team in the wild card or in the top three. It's a tough division. Um, I mean, they're no guarantee to make it, but I thought it was more likely that they would make it than they wouldn't. And the fact that Jets have put together points in seven out of ten, and they have three assists from Nikolai Ehlers, and he's only played two games, nobody else would have you know, projected that to be happening either. We expected Vegas to be better. They're ten and two. Yeah. They're doing I didn't, an excellent I didn't expect job. Them to be that good. Oh, I did, I did, and I, I thought they'd be better. Well, you and, had them, you had them winning the cup last year. So, well, I mean, but you're a believer. You're a believer. Their injury situation. I mean, again, everyone thought you know without Leonard and then Brassois being hurt, oh, the goaltending would let them down. Well, guess what? Vegas is number one in goals against this year, and their goaltenders have had a part of that. But Bruce Cassidy's system is also having a part of that. Uh, I think the Jets are in an interesting spot. Losing Morgan Barron for four to five weeks, that's a big loss for me. I think Morgan Barron's playing his best hockey since he joined the Jets in the Andrew Kopp trade. Not only in terms of his production, 
but he was getting involved physically, making some smart plays. Uh, he had a, he's going to have wrist surgery on Friday. That's a that's a loss for the Jets. But what happened? Saku Menelainen jumped up to the third line today, Sean, and looked like the guy in training camp. Very involved in the game. And Axel Janssen-Fialbi playing in the, on the third line at times. Excellent job by him. I mean, the Jets had a nice performance on a lot of fronts. There's no doubt about that. So I'm going to go and and get on record after 10 games here. I know it's early. Uh, I, I don't see a scenario in which the Jets don't make the playoffs. Here's why. I'm going to give you an explanation. This isn't just a wild stab. I, I think from what I've seen here, the Jets still have that. And I, and I think if you're a Rick Bonus, you take a look at that and you think, this is interesting. This is an interesting tool to have in the toolkit. I've got this goaltender who can steal me games. Let's make this upfront and clear. I don't want this to be our game plan. And don't rely on this. But you got this goaltender who can steal you games the way that Connor Hellebuck did. What did he say about him earlier on? Uh, your goaltender is going to steal you some games. He's just stole too many points for us at this point in the season. But you got that. And you got this team that can, you know, not perform the best on some nights, but they've got opportunistic scoring and they can score their way through games. So the Jets still have that tool. But what I think is they've got, and we kind of touched on this, they've got a coach who refuses, refuses to let them fall down into that and rely on that. And I think what that means is Rick Bonus is going to stay on top of this team, pushing them to play the right way. And when they do that, they look like they did against the St. Louis Blues. They looked like they did tonight. And I said, it's not going to win them every game, but I think it's a style of hockey that has them in a position to win every game. And one thing that I, I really like about them, I, I said this, they, they, when they play like that, they remind me of the Dallas Stars, who I watched a lot last year. And the Dallas Stars did a pretty decent job of pulling games out. I've got more confidence that the Winnipeg Jets have enough skill to pull out tight games than last year's Dallas Stars do. So if you can play the kind of game that we saw tonight where you put yourself in a position to be close to striking and winning that game... I like the Jets' odds because of exactly what we've seen before, the opportunistic scoring. So I, I'm very confident that the Winnipeg Jets are going to make the playoffs. I know it's only 10 games in, and hey, don't say that I jinx them, please, if things fall apart and things go in an entirely different way. I just think that, to your point, we haven't seen Nick Ehlers very much. Kyle Connor hasn't done what we know Kyle Connor can do. We've seen that the bottom six is playing almost exactly how, well, they're playing exactly how Rick Bonus wants them to play. So he's got that locked in, and that really helps them out. They're not going to tire out their top six because they're playing their bottom six quite often. They're engaged. We're still figuring things out with the top six, but we know that the skill is there, and you've got a coach who's going to be on top of them trying to get them to play the right way. I don't know how you can have a precipitous fallback from there so as long as the Jets kind of continue what they're doing, like, I, geez, if they continue on this kind of path throughout the rest of this month, I don't think they're, I think they're bulletproof, right? North End Rick still believes that they're not making the playoffs. I believe he thought their record was going to be two and eight. I thought that they could go five, four and one. A lot of that was faith that they have a coach that's going to be getting them to play the right way. I think tonight is another sign that you've got a coach that is not going to let this team play the wrong way. He's going to force them to play the right way, and I think it bodes well for this team. Uh, I'm still going to stick to six because I don't like flip-flopping and moving around, uh, 
but but I I, I do believe uh, they're going to end up being one of the top three teams in the Central. Quite a bit of that has to do with some of the way some of the other teams have fallen off. But that's what I see out of this team. Uh, Ken, you want to talk about Billy Hainala before we go? Uh, I mean, and people didn't see it. Uh, Billy's agent, Alan uh, Alan Alan Wa- Alan Roy or Alan Waugh, uh, spoke with uh, Jacob Stoller at the Hockey News, mentioning uh, you know didn't say they that he had demanded a trade or asked for a trade or anything, but uh, said he's basically his play at the American Hockey League level has made um, someone on the roster currently expendable. Essentially, is what he said. Um, I mean, that's his, that's his opinion. I mean, Sean, Alan, Alan is a great man, uh, very, you know, loves his clients. He's not a guy who speaks out often. Uh, so obviously you know that there is some frustration in Hanel's camp. Uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not super surprised. Do I think it's going to lead to a, an immediate change? No. I mean, when's the last time an agent said, you know what, my, my players should play less? You know, like, that, that, that doesn't happen. I mean, his job is to advocate for the player. I mean, would Kevin Sheveldayoff be happy about it? Of course not. Nobody wants that in the public domain. Uh, it's not a surprise. I mean, this has been going on for a while now. Uh, I, again, if if we've been watching the history of anything, lots of players are unhappy with their situation when they're not playing where they want to be playing. That has not led to an immediate trade on any occasion. I do not expect it to happen on this occasion either. You know, Elliot Friedman, our colleague, has said this week on his podcast and in 32 Thoughts that the Jets have been getting calls on their defensemen. So, I mean, Elaine's job is to try to help improve his client's situation. He sees that other agents or other teams are calling. He would like his, you know, if one of those defensemen gets traded, it's likely that Hainala is the player who would be the beneficiary. So he's trying to improve his client's situation. I mean, does that mean that situation is going to change this week, next week, a month from now? No. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. What we know is that Vili Hainala has come out of the gate fairly strong. I spoke with someone who's watched Hainala on video this year. There have been times when he's trying to do a little bit too much. But that's natural for a guy in his situation who feels he has outgrown the American Hockey League and wants to be in the NHL. So where that leads him, I'm not sure. Uh, we'll know more in the next 10-game block, whether he gets a chance because of injury or because of his play. Like I said all along, having covered the American League for 10 years, Sean, the best thing that a guy like Hanela can do is give the Jets no choice but to call him up, right? One of the things they've been having trouble doing so far this year is one of the things that he's great at, clean exits, Moving the puck north and south. Rick Bonus has talked about that. I mean, he's working on his defensive game. He's killing penalties in the minors, playing an important role. Does that lead to an opportunity in the next little while? We'll see what happens. Um, okay, we should shut this down. Uh, it's It's been a good show. Uh, chat room's been on fire, as always. Uh, I'm getting a little sucked in because of the <laughs> The jokes are so good. Uh, But we're going to shut it down here. We're going to do this all over again on Saturday. Not a hockey night in Canada game, so it's going to be an early one. Uh, So the show will be on a little bit earlier, but you're going to be watching the game, so don't worry about it. You'll you'll figure it out. Oh, I love this. You know what? This reminds me, in Bones We Trust, it's been too long since I've come out with one of my conspiracy theories. I'll whip some up and get that going forward, and I also have to apologize for not having the headband. I would have worn it. I forgot it. I left it in the office at home. I should have spares. I've got backups. I've got like six of them at home 
just to, to make sure I don't run into a problem like this. But I did that anyway. So my apologies for not having the headband. I won't let it happen again. And I want to end this by just uh, saying, hey, uh, once again, we are so appreciative of our sponsors. Uh, if you appreciate these conversations happening in these spaces, please appreciate the sponsors that are, are helping making this happen and that we really couldn't be doing this without. They're investing in the conversations that you want to hear that wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. So we want to say thank you to Vittorio Rossi, TransCanada Brewing Company, the Johnston Group, Lou Ferlin, uh, the new realtor on board. Welcome to him. Welcome to Homefield. And welcome back to Cambrian Credit Union. Thank you so much. And thank you to you, the chat room, who always brings it every single time. Toughest job going forward is going to be handing out the Dig Deeper Award because I'll tell you, our audience since day one has always dug deep, Ken. So it's going to be it's going to be picking people who went 27 feet down rather than 25 feet down. Thank you so much for being you, chat room. We can't wait to talk to you again on Saturday. We will see you then.